You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. What is good, everybody? Welcome to another episode of The Look Ahead, part of the SB Nation NFL show. I am Rob Stats Guerrera. He is RJ Ochoa. What is up, my good man? It's great to be with you, Stats. Uh, the Look Ahead presented to you by nobody, but we're certainly open to sponsors. But I have an idea for this particular week, Stats, because it is week two in the NFL. We should be presented to you by Dos Equis. You know, there's two of us, second week, you know, two peas in a pod. We could, you know, have it. I went through a phase in college where I thought the the amber ale of Dose was actually the superior brew. I was wrong. <laughs> um, so, you know, it's a I did uh, one Halloween. A buddy and I, we each, you know, like when you're in college, it's like, what's the cheapest Halloween costume we can do? We just bought a, a green shirt for like three bucks, red paint and put X's on us. It was awesome. Solid. I respect yeah. that. That's good. And by the way, Dos Equis wants to, you know, send a little. Uh, I'm not above that for sure. Uh, before we get started, we remind everybody, please rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. We always say, if you write a review, we will read it, RJ. And let me start this one from Anthony D. Ayers, who says, all around great podcast. I'm a big Eagles fan, so I decided Ooh. to check out. Can I Can I read the thing? I'm just yeah, being honest. But okay. So I decided to, set, to check out the channel since BGN Radio posts clips of the various shows. I'm glad I subscribed to the channel. I will have to say Pete Sweeney's my favorite host because he's oh. hilarious and makes random animal noises, LOL. Oh, Keep up the great work, and I'm really ready for all the great shows throughout the season and beyond. Can I just, like, Anthony, I spend a lot of time <laughs> doing research, trying to come up with, like, funny stories and expressions and takes and things like that, and you like Pete Sweeney because he makes random animal noises. Like, dude. Come on. Stats, uh, let's give us your best elephant noise. You know what I mean? Let's see. <laughs> That's what I got for you. I make a lot of elephant noises because I have a daughter who's about two years old. Um, I figured. Um, you've you've actually bragged to me before about your ability to make dinosaur noises. So um, I, I, I have? Don't know. Yeah, you have. Um, you know, so you know, hey, whatever. Um, that's a great review, Stats. Shout out to Anthony. You know, questionable choice in terms of favorite host around here. Uh, I love Pete Sweeney. Certainly Monday Football Monday. Uh, one of the two best shows that this network has to offer. Obviously, the other here is The Look Ahead. Uh, speaking of another, I do have another review for you, Stats. This one, a five-star review, just like Anthony's. Uh, title is Love the Show. Comes to us from Goose Menzada. I don't know if they're a Bengals fan, a uh, fan of TJ, maybe. Uh, but reads as follows just word for word all right verbatim here we go 
BLG and Bleeding Green Nation introduced me to RJ Ochoa on the NFC East mixtape. By the way, everyone can listen to the NFC East mixtape on two, both that's the Blog and the Boys and the Bleeding Green it. Nation podcast networks every Wednesday where BLG and I talk about the best division of the NFL. Anyway, uh, introduce me uh, on the NFC East mixtape. And today I find myself wanting more football. Love Ochoa's perspectives and his analysis. This show will become a staple of my weekly listening now. Awesome job, guys. What a great review. Oh, Just in every all sense. the reviews we get, and that's the one you pick to read. Look, I mean, I am a man of the people. And it, like you said, if if people write reviews, we are legally obligated to read what they say. Is that not a review on there? You've got You've got the reviews up in front of you, too. That's a real review, word for word. Yeah, but when you said, let's read some reviews, you were like, I'll do this one. You take the one from Anthony. So I'm just well, saying, like, that what didn't happen by accident. Look, Stats, I mean, as as 50% of the NFC's mixtape, you know, we have to flex anytime somebody brings it up. I mean, it's it's the most ambitious whole podcast show that SB Nation has, you know. Dedicated the to the network. worst division in the sport. Yeah, congratulations. The biggest crossover in the history of the world, NFC's mixtape. So if you're new to The Look Ahead, this is a show where we preview every game of the week. We take a deep dive on four of the best matchups, and then we hit every other game in the lightning round, RJ. Are you ready? Are you prepared? I am, Stats. Now, I do want to say one thing before we start. This is a surprise for you as well. Um, We are not streaming this episode of The Look Ahead, which is evidenced by the fact that nobody's here. Um, But we did stream last week's ahead of the season opener. Obviously, the Dallas Cowboys almost won against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. That should be said. Uh, but if people want us to stream, they can see the prop that I have devised. Now, if you want us to stream this show, let us know in the reviews as well. You can tweet at us also at Stats on Fire at RJ Ochoa. We generally record sometime early Thursday morning every week because obviously, you know, we got to wait for all the latest news and injuries and whatnot. Uh, but stats, a prop that I have in my office that I've used before. We all have done different blogging and writing and stuff over the years. May I introduce you stats to the tree of life? This is a tree uh, that has a helmet for every team in the National Football League on it, sorted by matchups every week. And it's still early in the season. It's week two. Uh, but I know you guys have the like pit of banishment or whatever it's called. It's on a pit the, of misery. Uh, <laughs> so First of uh, all. whatever that little, you know, spot is called on uh, on on whatever show. Uh, but the tree of life, if a team is no longer on the tree of life, their season is over. If you are removed from the tree of life, your season no longer has life. So right now, every team is on it. You know, as we're talking about the games, I'll pull those off the tree. We'll decide who's going to win, who's going to lose, whatever. But we've got every team represented right now because it's still early in the season. I think there's a few you could take off already. Houston, well, Jacksonville. Houston's 1-0. How could you? Care. How dare you? Irrelevant. Remove them immediately. All right. Mm. Let's dive in. First up, Raiders and Steelers. Steelers favored by five and a half. And I feel like these are two teams that nobody expected to both be 1-0 going into this game. Yeah, um, I was going to say Oakland. Uh, Vegas obviously uh, stole one from themselves, I suppose, uh, <laughs> on Monday night. Uh, Derek Carr, impressive. Ben Roethlisberger, not. I certainly believe this is Vegas's game to win. I'm surprised that I think that. I just think Pittsburgh, I didn't think they beat Buffalo. I thought the Bills lost that game. I was not at all impressed by Pittsburgh's offense and not that I was wildly impressed by, by the Raiders, but I just, I think that, I think that the bills 
crapped the bed on Sunday, which fed into the Steelers are back narrative. Mike Tomlin's a great coach. Not trying to deny that. Obviously, he's great. But the Steelers are going to have issues this season. And I think that, you know, the Raiders seem like a team that's more capable of exploiting that than the Bills were last week. Which quarterback are you more confident in right now, Derek Carr or Ben Roethlisberger? Ooh, um, probably Derek Carr in our current moment, which is a weird thing to say. Do you? I mean, is that unfair? Do you disagree? No, that's the thing. I, I'm trying to get on the Derek Carr train. Like I keep saying, like just keep being aggressive, Derek. Like you've got the arm strength. I know the Steelers have a really good defense, but that's not the time for you to pucker up. Now is the time to continue to be more aggressive. If you go conservative against an attacking defense like the Steelers, you have no shot to succeed. That's true. Um, and, and I think that Derek Carr has the gumption. I don't think that John Gruden does. You know what I mean? Like the the thing, my, my takeaway from Monday night was, okay, Derek Carr is capable of, of doing things like this, but John Gruden's not. Like that's that's the weak link <laughs> on this team, which is amazing when you consider, you know, everything we've learned since 2014 when Carr was drafted. And and it's kind of the opposite on the Pittsburgh end. Like Mike Tomlin can elevate that team, but they're weighed down by Ben Roethlisberger and the, by that offense. And that's going to hurt them at a certain point. I don't think that Vegas is the most potent offense in the NFL, but I think that they're going to at least be awake enough to capitalize. I mean, Pittsburgh didn't score the entire first half against Buffalo. And I don't, I mean, we saw, you know, I, I know that the Raiders got out to, or excuse me, the Ravens got out to a 14 nothing lead on the Raiders. But I just think that we, we saw the Raiders make that up, right? Like we saw them make up for a 14 point deficit. I don't think that Pittsburgh could do that. And so the fact that Derek Carr can, I think, separates them just a little bit in this game. It's going to be a test for Carr because obviously that Steelers defense is no joke. I'd like to see a little more from Josh Jacobs. I'd like to see the Raiders. That's the strength of their team, right? You've got the offensive play caller in Gruden. You've got the quarterback you like. Darren Waller is an absolute monster at tight end. Let's see Henry Ruggs do something, you know, do more than catch like one long pass a game. Like lean into your strength if you're the Raiders. And I agree. The Steelers offense is not, you know, super impressive. Najee Harris, you know, I'd like to see more out of him this week. I think that Pittsburgh is still getting their bearings a little bit with Matt Canada, their new offensive coordinator. The Raiders could easily win this game. And I think if they did, RJ, then they sort of, you know, establish themselves in the AFC here is like, hey, we're not just like this random team from the AFC West that's just going to, you know, lose to the Chiefs and go quietly into that good night. Like we're a legit contender and we're somebody you have to deal with. See, I don't disagree with you, but I, and that would be the take, right? Like next week, because the Raiders are going to win because we've just deemed that as so. But <laughs> it's going to be this like, oh my gosh, the Raiders are 2-0. and They've beaten the Ravens and the Steelers. And like, they're a little bit hollow wins. Shout out to Kyle Barber, but the Ravens clearly not the threat we maybe envisioned them to being at least one week in. We obviously know Pittsburgh's not a, a huge threat in, in in an offensive sense. And so, it you know, you can only play who's on your schedule, but it, it won't exactly be the Baltimore and Pittsburgh of old. But like, you can't, have it both ways right like sure i can i'm rj those i mean those <laughs> are either good wins for the right like you think the steelers are a bad team i think their are offense gonna, is really bad are they gonna miss the playoffs uh i i didn't pick them to make the playoffs do you They'll think finish above the 500 right they're gonna be above 500 mike tomlin's never been under 500 in his career like I just feel like if the Raiders win this game, you got to give them credit. The 2-0 against Baltimore and Pittsburgh. How many other teams are going to say they're 2-0 against better competition than that? So I'm not trying to say that Pittsburgh's a bad team. 
but I just and they they got to win. But I I really was so disappointed in Buffalo last week, and I th- I mean Buffalo really 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 crapped the bed. And Pittsburgh, I mean Pittsburgh finished. I'm mean, looking this up right now. Twenty sixth in offensive DVOA last week. Twenty sixth. Do you know the only teams yeah. below them? Do you know the only teams below them? Buffalo at twenty seventh. The Jets at 28th, Jacksonville at 29th, Atlanta, Tennessee, and I mean, just in a chef's kiss, Green Bay uh, at 32nd. But uh, <laughs> I mean, I I just, you know, I think that maybe Buffalo's bad, you know, and I'm not trying to like supremely overreact to that. And I'm very interested to see maybe Pittsburgh's defense is just that good because obviously Pittsburgh is incredible on, on, on the defensive side of the ball. They finished fifth in, off, in defensive DVOA. But I mean, man, dude, like I... I need to see more from Pittsburgh before I completely come off my this is the year they fall apart take. It's It's been one week, and that's the case for everybody, but their offense lived up to what we all thought in that it was going to be their weak link. The Bills were worse because of the Steelers, though, right? Like, that's why they were bad, because they were playing Pittsburgh. I, but I do you know. think I'm... Buffalo's defense is good? Because Pittsburgh yeah. was bad for... I think I Buffalo's mean, I think defense they're... is pretty good. But they're not Pittsburgh good. You know what I mean? So no. like you can say you can say like, okay, well, Buffalo was that bad, like 27th in DVOA offensively, because Pittsburgh was awesome. You can't say that in the same way for Pittsburgh's offense sucking. Like, fine, you know, Buffalo's defense is good, but it's not great. And, and again, they were shut out in the first half. And they weren't even shut out, they just sucked. You know what I mean? <laughs> so I I mean, again, I don't want to like in, in an anticipatory sense, take away from the would-be Raiders win. But, you know, look, because, again, you can only play who's on your schedule. And if the Raiders are 2-0 and after playing Baltimore and Pittsburgh, that does say a lot. But they they will be – whatever the line is on their Week 3 game, I think that will be a little bit easy money because people will be reading into it a lot. It's kind of what I'm saying. Speaking of the line, it's Steelers minus 5.5. I assume you're taking the Raiders in the points? Oh, yeah, that's easy, dude. That's easy. Uh, yeah, I think I have to agree with you. All right, <laughs> let's go next to your territory – the Chargers welcoming in the Dallas Cowboys. L.A. is a three-and-a-half-point favorite. This is tough, Stats. Um, this is really tough. Uh, we are recording on Thursday morning, as mentioned. Um, and on Wednesday, DeMarcus Lawrence broke his foot. Since the Cowboys, Stats, almost beat the Buccaneers in week one, Michael Lost, Gallup yes, I remember. M- Michael Gallup has gone on injured reserve with a cap mm-hmm. strain. He's out three to five weeks. Lyle Collins has been suspended for five games. Uh, Zach Martin did come off of the COVID list. However, Randy Gregory was placed on it. And on Wednesday, Mike McCarthy expressed doubt that Randy will play on Sunday. And Demarcus Lawrence broke his foot. So the Cowboys are down two offensive starters. They're down two defensive starters. Arguably, they're two most important defensive starters. They do have Dak Prescott, who's playing at an incredibly high level. And that, I think, always keeps any team in a game if they have an elite quarterback, which the Cowboys do. But this is tough. I mean, you know, they're missing the tackle that's supposed to go up against Joey Bosa. I mean, it's, you know, I've, I've long said, you've heard me say that the Cowboys would be one and one through their first two games. But obviously there's doubt creeping in as to whether or not they're going to be able to beat the Chargers this week. They didn't get a single sack on an almost 50-year-old man last week with Marcus <laughs> Lawrence and Randy Gregory on the field. And part of the reason for that is that Tom Brady is able to get rid of the ball so quickly. I mean, you know, going off his average time to throw, got rid of the ball in 2.34 seconds. Well, Justin Herbert in week one got rid of the ball in 2.39 seconds. So a similar quick release, and that's without having these two pass rushers on the field. So you won't even need to. Take all the time you need, Herbert. I mean, but I am interested to see how the Chargers fare against a more competent team, at least a more competent offense um, than Washington. It's tough, though. I mean, 
this is <laughs> what do you mean? This is definitely a more competent offense in Washington. Justin Herbert was 13 of 19 on third down last week against a vastly, vastly superior defense in Washington. Sure. He's going to destroy the Dallas Cowboys in this game. And I, it's so unfair to Dak because it's another game where Dak could easily put up 30 points of offense and lose because I think Justin Herbert is going to perforate this Cowboys defense. It's funny you bring up that point of demarcation, specifically stats. Uh, a friend of mine does a show for us at, at Blog of the Boys on our podcast network, Bobby Belt, Cowboys Cast, every Monday. Um, he has a stat that he's been tracking for an unfortunately very long time now. The Dallas Cowboys have gone 18. I always mess this up when I when I say it, but they have failed to win a game without scoring 30 points 18 times in a row. So... I mean, it's literally a you have to score 30 points to win proposition for them. What It would have been hilarious if they had held on at the very end last week because they would have won by scoring 29 points uh, against the <laughs> right. Buccaneers. Uh, but yeah, man, I mean, like, and, and I don't know of any way to track that like relative to NFL history. But think about that. Like we're talking 18, like that spans multiple defensive coordinators, multiple head coaches, multiple players on defense. Like it's it's so hard to nail down what the issue is there because they are getting an incredibly, I think you agree, elite performance in this stretch from their quarterback. And they're just wasting it. Like everyone's over here, like fawning over Matthew Stafford, rightfully so for what, you know, Detroit did or rather didn't do for him during his time there. And it's like, man, this is, you know, it, it's such a shame because this is so, I want to say so rare, but it's so hard to to count on, on, on a week-by-week basis. And the Cowboys are getting this. And if they were a more competent team, they would be more successful. And I don't mean to turn this into a bag on Mike McCarthy thing, but if you think about it, I mean, look, he's only co- had, five, or had Dak Prescott available for five full games, and they have lost four of them. And they are an incredibly weird onside kick away from having lost all of them. So, I mean... It's, you know, everybody was willing to say, a lot of people, I should say, were willing to say, okay, you lost Dak last year. And I will, I should say, in his, this will be his 18th game as the Cowboys head coach. And he has lost for different prolonged periods of time, Dak Prescott, Tyron Smith, Lyle Collins, twice, by the way, because he missed all of last year and, and now is suspended. Leighton Vanderesh, Demarcus Lawrence. Don't even forget Travis Frederick retired when he first took the job. I mean, this happens to everybody, and I don't mean to like make excuses for Mike McCarthy. I feel for Mike McCarthy the human. I mean, this this just sucks. It's a sucky situation, but head coaches deal with it all the time. When Mike McCarthy took the job, he knew he was going to have a really good offense. His task was to just get this defense to a competent level, and you will win games. That's clearly what he knew he had to do when he took the job. And so far, the Cowboys defense has not been competent. They have not been even average. If they can just get to average, RJ, Dallas is going to win some games. Their offense is one of the best in the, in the league. And if you can't get that fixed, if you can't at least address your most glaring, obvious need, then I can't have sympathy for you. I'm sorry. Well, it's not even just that. It's, you know, because because to go back to DVOA as an example, the Chiefs finished fourth in offensive DVOA, but 31st in defensive DVOA. So like you can make up for poor defense, but you know, there's three phases to the game as many people love to say. And I wrote a lot of articles and had a lot of shows about this over the last week, killing the Cowboys for how they handled special teams last week. Everybody obviously saw what 
you know, Greg Zerline did on Thursday night. Oof. And th- this is, but this is such a case of nepotism, honestly, for, for a lack of a, I don't even think there's a better word. I mean, he is John Fossil's guy and he's been his guy since John Fossil was the Rams coach. And this week, the Cowboys have been trying to walk this back. Like, well, you know, he had a, you know surgery in the off season. He had just come off the pup. Then why the hell did you trot him out there? You know, like <laughs> right. you're, you're, you're the ones who made that decision. And so I think the, People really questioned Mike McCarthy's game management last week. I didn't have a huge problem with it, but I had an enormous problem with them attempting that massively long field goal at the end of the first half against Tampa. And a lot of Cowboys fans were like, oh, well, who cares? I mean, he missed or he, he missed it and the Bucks didn't score. And the Cowboys almost returned that interception for a touchdown. It's like, you fool. The fact <laughs> that Tom Brady's pass reached the airspace of the end zone is the proof that this was a disastrous idea. I mean, points are so precious. Point swings are so precious. And the Cowboys are, I mean, they're the ones now walking this back. Like, well, yeah, you had offseason backstories. Like, why, why'd you send them out for a 60-yarder? <laughs> like, you know, like, I mean, it's it's so, those are the things that are, are hard to square. And they're, they're hard to mentally square because they are so efficient on offense. They are so great. So you're like, okay, you have, you have these great minds that are operating in your building on something. Why can't you share the wealth a little bit? Acting like you're locked into a decision that you actually have full control over is a sign of really bad process. Like, oh, well, Greg Zerlin, you know, he had surgery. Well, you don't have to start him. Like, there's other kickers in the world that you can get. And, you know, for a guy that everyone loves because he's Legatron and he he isn't really like the greatest on 50-plus yard field goals, too. I feel like the reputation has outpaced the actual performance. So um, I've said many times that, NFL Network's Tom Pelissero is kind of, you know, really, really reliable when it comes to Cowboys reporting because he's clearly got the ear of Mike McCarthy. He did the McCarthy project. And I don't mean this to disparage Pelissero in any way, one of the best reporters in the business. Uh, but tweeted out, you know, as this week began, you know, that the Cowboys were, they brought back another kicker who they had on their team in, in the preseason to their practice squad this week, Lareem Harulahu. Um, and, you know, Pelissero's tweet about the news said, yeah, you know, just something to monitor after some uncharacteristic misses from Greg Zerline. Greg Zerline stats has, he's played 17 games as a Cowboy. He has missed at least one kick in eight of them. So this is, (laughs) this is in no way uncharacteristic, you know, this is actually like fairly, this is almost like a 50, 50 proposition. And so, but that's the guy that the Cowboys are choosing to employ because again, he's John Fossil's guy. And we see that a lot in the NFL, like coaches bring their guys, whatever the case may be. This is just, you know, and, and that will burn you. And when the Cowboys hypothetically this season finish a game or two shy of the playoffs, we'll look back and we'll say, you know what? Greg Zerline cost you four points in a game. You lost by two. Chargers minus three and a half. Where are you going? I've long said the Cowboys would be one and one through their first two. So I'm really dug in on that take. I'll take them here because I believe in Dak Prescott, but obviously a lot of circumstances have changed. So it would not stun me if they dropped to zero and two. I don't mean that to like ride the fence, um, but, but I will take them, but in the loosest possible way. So you are taking them to win outright. Obviously you're taking the points as well. I'm taking the Chargers. I give the points. I just don't see how Dallas is going to slow Justin Herbert down. And I know that the Cowboys can score points, but I just the when you have to be that good to even have a chance to win, right. that's a situation I don't like. And I feel like that's where Dallas is. Support for this show comes from Sylvan Learning. As a parent, you want your child to have every opportunity. But giving them the tools they need to tackle every challenge, that takes a team. 
Now more than ever, educational support tailored exactly to what your child needs can make all the difference. That's why parents have trusted Sylvan Learning for 45 years as the ultimate teammate in their child's educational journey, instilling in them a love for learning and a passion for reaching the next level. And Sylvan's Insight Assessment can identify gaps in learning and areas that could be of concern for your child. It's a 360-degree view into your child's learning that you can't find anywhere else and helps ensure that your child didn't miss something in school that might put them at a disadvantage in the future. And right now, it's the best price of the year at $29. Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com. Let's go now. You mentioned the Baltimore Ravens. Let's go to Baltimore. They are hosting Kansas City. The Ravens are getting three and a half points. Just a kick in the gut loss by Baltimore on Monday Night Football. Almost felt like two losses because they ended up having two you know, plays there where the Raiders get the win. Lamar Jackson has never, ever, 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 ever beaten Patrick Mahomes in his career. He is 0 for 3 against Mahomes. He is 30 and 5 against anybody else in the NFL. What do you see in this one? I will say, first of all, I really enjoyed uh, Kyle Barber on the podcast this week and the perspective because I think Baltimore's in an interesting spot because I, I did think they would be a really good team this year. I certainly think that's still possible. Obviously, we're only a week two. Um, but Monday night was concerning, not not just in a they lost way, but I mean, they they you know, they got run over a little bit by the Raiders. You know what I mean? They, they surrendered a 14-point lead. Kyle mentioned the, you know, ridiculous, like, they've won a million games when having a 14-point lead. 98 straight. Um, right. And I actually, um, I think that that does not count the playoffs um, because maybe and maybe I'm getting this reversed, but I believe in the 2014 uh, divisional round, they had two 14-point leads over the On Patriots. the Patriots, right? right? Yes, and, you're right. And, and the Patriots came back from both of them in that same game. Um, and that was the, like, Danny Amendola, Julian Edelman touchdown. So it's, these stats generally only include the regular season. But, um, I mean, it's concerning. I mean, I, Lamar on Monday night did not do a lot to silence the people who say he's just a runner. I don't believe that by any measurement, but he did not do a lot to quiet those takes. And obviously the the fumbles, and not just fumbling, but a costly fumble at the very end. I mean, both were costly, but two the, fumbles, the last, yeah. Right, the, the last one, obviously, kind of the backbreaker. I, I would be lying if I said I wasn't concerned about Baltimore. I mean, maybe they're the team to drop off before Pittsburgh is. I mean, they've always both just kind of been in the mix. I know Baltimore's had the, the you know, loan off years, but I mean, they, they looked... If any team looked like a shell of who we expected them to be this or last week, I think it was Baltimore. And so, I mean, it's I, I maintain I love Pete Tweeney. I maintain that Kansas City is so fluky in some of this stuff. They, they've I don't want to call them lucky, but they, they caught two breaks in their win over over Cleveland. One was the muff punt, which and, and you brought I'm so happy you brought this up on the podcast that I don't know why, you know, he didn't punt it. You know, like I don't, I'm like yeah, like just just pick it up and kick it. I mean, you don't you don't have to all of a sudden like turn into a hero. Uh, but then I thought Kevin Stefanski not going for it on fourth and seven on the on the possession after that was very cowardly of him, especially after he'd really gone for things early in the game. And so you know, the Baker pick doesn't really bother me. But so 
Kansas City's flawed. I mean, you know, I, I could see Baltimore like finding a zone here and, and this being a breakthrough moment for them. But right now, it's really hard not to take the Chiefs. Far be it for me to defend the Chiefs and or Pete Sweeney because I don't like being in this box. But I will say, like, if your argument is like, hey, look, the Chiefs aren't perfect. Like, that's a really that's not an indictment of Kansas City. That's a credit to them. It's sure. like, great. They're not perfect, but they're still really, really good. I think this game has a little bit more juice. Remember a couple years ago when Mahomes was number four on the top 100 countdown and Lamar Jackson was number one and then and Mahomes throws the four touchdowns? Well, it's funny you bring this up because that year uh, the aforementioned Pete Sweeney at Arrowhead Pride uh, had an article where he said that, that they would no longer cover the NFL top 100 <laughs> okay, because well, it was that's... so ridiculous. But go ahead. But Mahomes saw that and throws four touchdowns against the Ravens. And then remember after the fourth one, there's that shot of him counting to four on his fingers. Now he claims after the game, he was counting the touchdown passes. Yeah, whatever, dude. I don't buy that for a second. I I think it matters to Mahomes, stuff like that, you know, sticks with people. And I think it matters to Lamar too, although he tried to downplay that it's not him versus Mahomes. Well, it actually is, dude, like, because Mahomes is going to put up 30 plus points and you got to be able to keep pace with that. And that's the big knock on Lamar is that in those type of games, he's not able to keep pace with people. So I'll be interested to see what happens. I'm rooting for Baltimore because I always want to see the Chiefs and Pete Sweeney get knocked down a peg. But I got to tell you, the three and a half points, like I'm taking Kansas City and I'm not really sweating this one out. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't normally, um, but I do agree with you in that this is Lamar versus Mahomes because Lamar needs that right like Lamar needs that validation that that comes from winning a game like that I mean I'd say that I mean the guy's got an MVP right so I mean it's not like he's you know he's nothing but um I mean it's 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 time you know what I mean like I I think that you know I I think Ravens fans are tired of of the big bad wolf and so you need a statement win and I I I don't know that I 100% agree with BLG earlier this week. I definitely kind of agree, though, that if Baltimore loses this game, I understood yep. what he's saying because losing to the Chiefs, everybody can square and and settle in their minds. But if you lose to the Chiefs after you've lost to the Raiders and you still got to play the Chargers, I mean, you still got to play Pittsburgh twice, you know, like all of a sudden things are getting away from you a little bit. And, it, and that's what playing the Chiefs can be like. It can just get away from you so quickly because of who they are. I mean, Ty- Tyreek Hill was amazing. Uh, on Sunday. I mean, that it was a bit fluky, but that 75 yard touchdown that kind of sent things away for them. Like that's, you can call it fluky. You can call whatever you want, but like, that's what Kansas city has is that ability to hit that like stupid man. I can't believe we let this get away from us play. And so I don't know that Baltimore has that capability right now. The chiefs force you to make the right decision every single time you have to go for it on fourth down when you should go for it. You have to go for two when you should go for it. And you obviously you have to convert these and make these. Mm-hmm. But they force you to do that every single time. Because if you don't, like you said, and you exhale a little bit or you make the wrong decision, they have the capability to make you pay for it. And like I loved the quote from Mahomes when, you know, there was that meme where he's dropping back to pass and it's he's rolling out and he thinks, ah, forget it. Tyreek's got to be down there sometime. And he was asked about that. And Mahomes said, yeah. Sometimes it's like that. And it's like with the Chiefs, basically Mahomes can hit Hill no matter where he is on the field. And you just have to be ready for that. So you have to make the right decision every single time. And so far, no one's really been able to do it, especially consistently. I think you nailed it. You have to. It reminds me of of the remember the Titan speech. You have to be perfect. 
Like, like you, you have to be, you have to have your perfect game. And the Bucks did it, right? You know, and the Raiders did it last year. You have yep. to have your perfect game. There, there are games where teams come out of their shoes, and it's a, it's a weird game, right? Like, and some, because you know this, like sometimes the breaks go your way. Sometimes it's just a day where like nothing's going your way, and and sometimes that happens against really good teams. Sometimes that happens against really bad teams, you know. But sometimes it's just a day where it, the oblong ball is not bouncing your way. You have to have the positive day and you also have to have the breaks against Kansas city, which makes it tough. And I think Kansas city's lowering their standard a little bit. That's, that's what I mean by last week. Like they are flawed. They, they can be caught that, that mark of perfection is, is a little bit diminished compared to what it, it's been at least at the height of their powers that we've seen. But I mean, it still requires an, an inordinately perfect game to, to ultimately come out on top. I'll take Kansas. I don't even know what the line is. But I'll take the chiefs. It is Baltimore plus three and a half. Yeah. It's easy money. Okay. Let's go to Miami now. Buffalo and Welcome the Dolphins. To Miami. Topical. Uh, the Dolphins are getting three and a half points. You know, Josh Allen told everybody not to panic after the game last week, which is like, okay, it's week one. You're playing a tough defense. That's fine. I'll give you another week, Josh. But I really got to see something this week. I got to see something that shows me that Josh Allen is going to play more like the guy he is last year than the guy he's been like in his first two years in the league. Because I didn't see that in week one. So I I won't panic yet, Josh, but I got to see it this week. So I get why people have – I don't think this is us. I definitely think this is Pete Sweeney. But I get why people have become annoyed with the Bills because there's nothing more annoying than the team who hasn't like totally arrived acting like they've arrived and – and so that what was the Cowboys have been doing for the past 20 years. This is about the Buffalo Bills stats, a team that oh, the Cowboys okay. beat in back-to-back Super Bowls after they beat the 49ers in back-to-back NFC Championship games. No big deal. <laughs> anyway, um, the, the Bills have kind of done that. And I think that they've had enough success now because they've had back-to-back playoff seasons and they obviously made the AFC Championship game. They had a playoff appearance before that with Terod Taylor and everything and, you know, went down to the wire against the Jaguars four years ago. So they've they've kind of – I think that the they've they've had enough success that the, like – the the magical like oh they're back in the mix you know dust has faded like yes. the the video of their locker room when Andy Dalton beat the Baltimore Ravens like all that hype is gone you know now it's just like okay you have to be good that's who you are now the expectation is different and so you I I'm going to take a page out of your book they need to come out and crush the Dolphins like you said about the 49ers last week against the Lions because yeah this Dolphins team we all have some cute expectations of but you need to come out and win with authority. And then we'll be able to totally say, you know what? Last week, fine. You played TJ Watt. You played the Steelers. They're a great team. They've been there. They're the big brother, whatever. But you have to come out and really show yourself because we all believed. We all believed, so to speak. And you let us (laughs) down. And I I mean, I don't, I'm not trying to like incite rage for anyone for any reason, but like Josh Allen got paid. You know what I mean? And Josh Allen was terrible last week against Pittsburgh. So Josh Allen, the pressure's on you, dude. You got to come out and you got to ball out and you got to show everyone why you are. I I have personally said I've taken a lot of heat from Cowboys fans because I've said I would take Josh Allen over Dak Prescott. And he made me look like a fool last week. And if there's one thing I don't (laughs) like stats, it's looking like a fool. Well, I feel like you're going to be unhappy most of the time, at least on this show. Mm. Um, I agree with everything you said. And I think the reverse applies to the Dolphins, right? Like if you're Tua, you got to come out, and this is a team that's going to be in your way. They're in your division. You're going to see them twice a year. You have you're proving to the Dolphins that you're supposed to be the guy. Well, this is the the quality of competition that you are going to have to beat to be that guy. So let's see it. Like, yeah, you beat the Patriots last week. You got a really important fumble at the end of the game when it looked like the Patriots were going to go in and for the go ahead score. Like, 
you didn't blow me away last week, Tua. Well, here's a perfect opportunity. Take it to the Bills, a division rival uh, against a quarterback that everybody thinks is miles ahead of you. You know, you, this was tank for Tua was the thing. Like, I heard that a long time before he was drafted, and he just hasn't shown it to be that guy. Now's a perfect chance for you, Tua, because everybody's like, you know, the Dolphins, everybody likes the Dolphins. I think it was you that said it. Like, you have your rebuilding project, but eventually, like, construction has to be complete. And I'm I'm not seeing it right now. Peek behind the curtain here. Everybody's heard Bear bark at times, you know, here on the show and many other shows because I'm that professional. And I've said before that they're building a house across the street from us. They've been building this freaking house for like a year. You know what I mean? Like, it's get a family in here. You know what I mean? Like, let's let's go. You know, enough of the construction process. But I will say, too, this is a, a huge opportunity for the Dolphins. I actually really hate when the NFL – I hate what they've done with the NFC East this year with their schedule where I know I've told you it's all log jammed at the very end. But I think, it, I think it's so unfair to have important games. I think the first two games for every team should be opposing conference. I always forget if it's intra or inter. But it should be opposing conference. It should be the least significant games because we're still learning so much about who these teams are. They're still kind of finding themselves. Not everybody plays everything in the preseason. This is the Dolphins' second divisional game in two weeks, the first two weeks of the season. And I, I think back to the 2015 Cowboys, which was the year Tony Romo got hurt, obviously, before the Cowboys drafted Dak Prescott. And I'm sure you remember stats just, you know, from a, your own viewpoint. The Cowboys were in that season, despite the fact that Ro they lost every game. And a huge reason was because the NFC sucked, but because that those first <laughs> those first two games that Tony Romo played, the Cowboys won, and they were against the New York Giants and the Philadelphia Eagles. There is extreme weight to going 2-0 and in your first two games against your division. And so I think we still think that the, the Bills will stabilize across the season, but if you're the Dolphins and you can get a 2-0 and record in your division right away, one of those games against the Bills, one of them against the Patriots, you get two more against the Jets, you know what I mean? Like, you're... I don't want to say you're on easy street, but like things are looking really nice for you. This is a really important game. It's a great head start. And by the way, if you're wondering, inter is between two things. So like an interstate goes between two states. Intra is within one thing. So intra division game for Buffalo and Miami this week. Inter conference would be against the NFC. Just, you know, I'm here. I'm here to help people. I will forget that right away. I've already forgotten it. You're a jerk. All right, are you ready? We have gone through the deep four games. There are plenty of other games left on the schedule, RJ. Are you ready for the lightning round? Horrible lightning sound effect by me. The lightning round! First up, Thursday night football tonight. I cannot believe we already have a terrible Thursday night game in week two, but here we are, Giants at Washington football team. No Ryan Fitzpatrick. The Giants, if you're going to be anything, anything at all, win this game. So I know it's a lightning round, but two things very quickly. Uh, three things. One, it actually feels right to have a super crappy Thursday Night Football game to start, <laughs> right? um, you know, in a really poetic way. Number two, uh, we will be doing a watch along on the Blog and the Boys YouTube channel, watching the first half of this game, um, kind of talking about the Giants, the football team, the Cowboys, everything, the injuries and whatnot. So if you're a Cowboys fan or if you're an NFC East fan, you like the NFC East mixtape, you can join us over there. Uh, third thing, I think... I I think I don't, I'm not getting enough props for calling how terrible the Giants would be this season. I have long said that this team is a disaster. Saquon Barkley was the least efficient running back in week one per next-gen stats. He, I mean, which is not surprising given who their offensive coordinator is. Stats, I don't have to say anything about this team beyond the fact that Washington literally lost their starting quarterback and are playing on a short week and remain the favorites 
against this New York Giants team. I mean, the Giants can't even be favorites in this game. They, I mean, there is nothing appealing about the Giants. Nothing, 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 nothing. I mean, banish them. Put them in your pit or your tunnel or whatever. I mean, they suck. In fact, the Giants off the tree of life. Oh, I totally agree. I think Daniel Jones might not even survive this game. Chase Young is going to eat. He's going to eat early. I will take Washington. I will give the three points. Next up, the Texans go to Cleveland to take on the Browns. RJ, Cleveland is a 12 and a half point favorite. No OBJ again in this one. I don't do this a lot, but I'll take them to cover because they were up two possessions against Kansas City. I don't know how that wouldn't happen against Houston. I don't know how you couldn't believe in that. It's a long and tall line, but I think the Browns can cover even without Odell. The Browns are super talented. They should easily win. They should cover and they should win, obviously. If they don't, like that is a massive red flag just for the state of Cleveland. Like maybe they are not ready to handle Cleveland's a city, not a state. Sorry. You, the state of the Cleveland organization. Mm, you messed Feel up. Better? Okay. All right, I'm just going to move past that. The Rams go to Indy. Indianapolis is getting three and a half points. The Indianapolis defense got shoved around last week by Seattle. Like, hey, we we think the Indy defense is good. Like, show me because you're going to have a big test now against Matt Stafford and the Rams. I started a weekly hit last night on the Jimmy Smith show in Australia. No big deal for me. Uh, great times hanging out with Jimmy. And Do you ever asked, speak without plugging something? He asked me for uh, my favorite line of the week, and it was this one. I don't know how the line is th- three and a half, right, is, is what yep. it was then. I mean, that is for the Rams offense, and I think it's hilarious that people are like, man, the Colts offensive line sucks now. No, Carson Wentz sucks. This is very <laughs> obvious. So Ram- the Rams are going to smoke them, and the hype train is going to take off even further next week. I agree with you. I don't like anything going on in Indianapolis right now, and most of it has to do with Carson Wentz. Next up, Bears and Bengals, RJ. We didn't get to see a ton of Justin Fields in week one. This is not the Andy Dalton revenge game, even though people want to paint it like that. Good for you. What uh, You've convinced me. What do you like in this one? I think the Bengals are going to win, um, and I think that – I don't know that I believe in the Bengals this year, uh, but I think that the Bengals are plucky enough to to take advantage against teams that are bad, uh, like the Minnesota Vikings and now like the Chicago Bears. And I think Matt Nagy, number one, has an incredible PR man in Chris Collinsworth, but number two <laughs> is so overly committed to this Andy Dalton thing, as we saw in week one. And I think Matt Nagy has told himself that he cannot pull that switch in this game because of the stupid revenge thing, even though Andy Dalton beat the Bengals last year. So I think he, in his mind, feels like he could not take Andy Dalton out. He could not bench him against this particular team. So I think, you know, I think Matt Nagy, like a like a captain of a ship, is ready to go down with it this particular game. I think the Bears fall to 0-2. I think the Bengals get to 2-0, and then it's kind of a weird, like, how do we evaluate the Bengals thing? And maybe they kind of falter later on in the season. But it's an interesting start for them nonetheless. Maybe this you know, secure Zach Taylor's job, you know, for next season. Who knows? Maybe that's getting a little bit too far ahead of ourselves. But I think the Bears lose. And I, I actually think this is a different point, but I think that Matt Nagy should have seen what happened with the Packers last week. You asked BLG, or he asked you rather, when you wrote off the Packers, who wins the NFC North then? Matt Nagy should have heard that question and bit or and said to himself, crap, like I have this opportunity. Like I, I'm, <laughs> I have this opportunity staring me right in the face and I'm, I'm just, you know, floundering it or I'm throwing it away. Floundering is not a word. I mean, it's, it's really embarrassing that the bears might be the, the worst team in the NFL right now from an organizational standpoint. I like that Cincinnati's getting points. I agree with you. I feel very comfortable there. I, I do not get the Matt Nagy thing. Although I think your read on the situation is 
perfect. There's no way he's benching Andy Dalton against his old team. I- I've said it before, and I'll keep saying it. Matt Nagy is hanging on to his job by a thread. He is drowning here. He has Justin Fields' life preserver that's right next to him, and instead of grabbing it, he's not only is he not grabbing it, he's pushing it further away from himself. It doesn't make any sense to me. The only hope you have to save your job, Matt Nagy, is if you put in Justin Fields and he starts to look good. And the fact that you are continually not doing that, making it harder for you to win and your team to win, it doesn't make any sense. Well, and the longer he he stands in here, the worse off he makes himself look down the road. Right. Because the, the longer he refuses to go down the Justin Fields path, the more you know, incompetent he looks if and when Justin Fields is awesome, because if and when Justin Fields is awesome, it becomes this. You trapped us. You kept this away. You didn't see this. Why should we believe in you long term? Again, Matt Nagy is grooming Justin Fields for Doug Peterson in 2022. (laughs) It's funny because it's true. The Patriots play the Jets. The Jets are getting five and a half, RJ. We know that Bill Belichick is good against rookie quarterbacks, but since 2000, he is just six and six against rookie quarterbacks on the road. Does that, that means, change your mind in this? That one? means nothing. I'll, I'll take the Patriots. I think Mac Jones is on on pace to win Offensive Rookie of the Year. Uh, most most nobody because, got more credit for doing less last week than Mac Jones. Mostly because Matt Nagy doesn't understand which way is up. But uh, but yeah, I I believe in Mac Jones. I'm excited to see him in week two. I'll take the Patriots. I like win. to see Mac. Jones put up 20 points like can we do that first before we start giving him offensive player of the year like you put up no. 17 points against Miami like okay like let me see it so yeah. I I do think that Jets will lose I don't think Belichick's gonna lose to Zach Wilson rough start to the year for him but I will take the Patriots and give the points the 49ers go to Philadelphia the Eagles are getting three points it's gonna be an extremely hostile environment for Jimmy Garoppolo and I could easily see the Eagles winning this one, RJ. So I will say two things. One, if Trey Lance were starting, I would absolutely confidently take the 49ers. I'm still going to take them because my prediction for these stats is this is the passing of the torch. I think Jimmy is terrible early on, like undeniably, irrevocably terrible and actually gets revoked. Is that a word? Um, but Kyle Shanahan finally has to has to flip the switch, pull the lever, smash the glass, however you want to put it. Trey Lance gets put in for real, for firmly. That's not a, a way to put that, but uh, 49ers win a close one. Uh, and it's the beginning officially of the Trey Lance era. Jimmy was very good last week against Detroit, but he was basically not pressured the entire game. When the 49ers played the Eagles last year, Philadelphia had 15 quarterback hits. Now, granted, Jimmy didn't play in that one because he was hurt. But the fact remains, the Eagles can pressure the 49ers quarterbacks. And that's when Jimmy really struggles. So it'll be interesting to see if he can, one, deal with the pressure and two, how much the Eagles can get after it. I will take the 49ers, but I don't feel comfortable. I think I would take the Eagles points, but I think the 49ers will win the game. Next up, the Saints and Jameis Winston go to Carolina. The Panthers getting three and a half points. All I want to see from this one is a clean game from Jameis, because that's the only way the Saints lose is if Jameis keeps turning the ball over. Yeah, I know we're all bullish. I know I don't know what the opposite of bullish is. I always mess that up. But I know we're all uh, bearish on the Saints and Jameis, like bearish on on buying in completely. Uh, But I I think that the Saints play well. I think they're methodical. I know it bothers you. I think Sean Payton's so good. I think that defense might have a a potential to be the best defense in the NFL. Uh, I mean, they they really showed a lot. And so it's going to be really I think they're a really interesting team. But I do think that they win handily here. Sam Darnold and Jameis Winston in this game over under combined turnovers. I put it at three 
Under, because I don't think Jameis has any. Wow. Well, that'll be. I wonder how many games, consecutive games, James Winston has avoided turnovers in his career. Next up, Denver and Jacksonville. Jacksonville is getting six. Trevor Lawrence, I'm very sorry. You are about to get eaten alive. And I think every second now that ticks by is a second that Urban Meyer is going to be thinking about the USC job. Yeah, I think that's really well said. And I'm disappointed in myself that I didn't totally notice this beginning of the season for Denver. Um, you know, we talked about Miami and the importance of getting that 2-0 lead in the division. But if Denver can put together a 2-0 start, 2-0 start rather, I mean, I could see them sneaking in as that third wild card, right? Like, because, you you know, I've said before, there are three types of games in the NFL. There are the games you're supposed to win, there are the games you're supposed to lose, and then there are push games. And if you win the ones you're supposed to win, maybe you steal one you're supposed to lose, and you push the pushes, I mean, you're generally a playoff team. And so... This is a game that Denver should win. And, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, fine. Big Fangio, whatever. I mean, you know, let's, let's get weird. Even without Jerry Judy, that presents a challenge, certainly. Yeah, but I think Teddy Bridgewater is not going to lose you any games. And I right. think so Trevor Lawrence is – he's so forced to have to make every play for Jacksonville that he's hes probably going to make some mistakes against the good Denver defense. Minnesota goes to Arizona. The Cardinals are three-and-a-half-point favorites. Can Arizona keep this up? They came out like a house of fire in week one. Chandler Jones with five sacks. Kyler Murray with five total touchdowns. You think they keep it rolling against a Minnesota team that just looks lost? I don't think it's as emphatic, but I think they certainly win. I think they win handily. And I think Minnesota, the inverse of Denver, Miami. I mean, now you're 0-2. You're behind the gun. You're behind the barrel, whatever. Uh, It could be time to reevaluate Mike Zimmer, like somebody has been saying. He just got a new deal, which is crazy. Who cares? It's just money. I agree. That's not my money either. I agree. Like, it just feels like every team has windows. They tried it with this group. They made the playoffs sometimes, but it just it doesn't seem to be working there in Minnesota. The Super Bowl champions are at home. They play the Atlanta Falcons, who could not have looked worse in week one. Tampa Bay is a 12 and a half point favorite for this one. It's pretty simple. Get out of the game with no injuries if you're Tampa Bay, because there should be no reason for you to have this game even be close. This is easy. Easiest pick of the week. Bucks. Uh, sorry, Falcons. Did you see Tom Brady did a video about this game? And in the background of yeah. the video, his computer clock was at 328, which, of course, as everybody knows, was the score in the Super Bowl. Like, it isn't a little petty at this point. Like, Tom, we no. get it. No, it's perfect. I mean, I, I'm a fan of like reminding teams of things forever. That's why sports are awesome. And I, I love that about Tom. I think Tom's become incredibly more likable in Tampa. I think he's got an, an amazing social team. He's podcasting now. He's got the new show coming out on ESPN+. Plus. I mean, you know, I'm a fan of goats. I mean, you know, Tom Brady, Cristiano Ronaldo, you know, whoever you think the tennis goat is, Tiger Woods. I mean, these are good times for goats. Uh, I think if Tom Brady didn't win at this insane level that he does, we would be crushing him for all the sure. social media stuff that he but, does. But when, but when you win, you can flex, and he wins all the time. So that's true. I, I respect that. Last game we're going to look at Tennessee going to Seattle. The Seahawks are a five-and-a-half-point favorite. This is all kinds of trouble for Tennessee, RJ. Fans going to be in Seattle, extremely hostile environment. The Titans looked awful on both sides of the ball last week, and Russ just looks like he's still at the top of his game. Yeah, Russell's dominating everything, quarterbacking, commentating. Uh, <laughs> I mean, uh, Russell is – I mean, and I said that too here. I mean, we we kind of – and I don't put this on you as the Niners guy, but like we – a lot of people forgot about the Seahawks. It was like, oh, the Niners, Trey Lance, oh, the Rams, Matthew Stafford. Seahawks are still there. I mean, like we've talked about before, if you have the franchise quarterback, like the Cowboys and Dak Prescott thing, 
it doesn't matter what else is happening around you. Like the team can be on fire, literally. But if you have the franchise quarterback, the elite quarterback, you're still in the mix because that's how valuable and important that particular person is. And that's who Russell Wilson is. And so I think the Seahawks win. And I think Mike Vrabel is super ornery next week. We already heard that this week with his Julio Jones quote. Uh, so I'll take the Seahawks. Julio Jones, like, feel free to do something. You know, like, mm, I can't have it's these. It's almost like, like it was an ill-advised trade. Like, these three-catch games from you. Everyone sits and tells me how great Julio Jones is. Like, dude, A.J. Brown's banged up already. Take advantage of the fact that Jamal Adams can't cover anything, right? Like, let's see Julio attack that defense. I want to see Tennessee use play action a little more. They didn't use it nearly enough in week one. Use Derrick Henry to try and take the crowd out of the game there and wear that Seahawks defense down. There's a path to victory for Tennessee. I just don't know if they're willing to walk it. That's the box or the corner they've painted themselves into, right? Like the the way they've kind of defied this. I don't want to say defied the running backs don't matter argument, but they've gone about things a little bit differently uh, than conventional, current, modern NFL wisdom has suggested. And it's worked for them, but maybe they're reaching that brick wall or that that, that wall that, you know, they can't break through. And Derrick Henry's always been able to do it. But I mean, this this might be the end point. That's going to do it for this edition of The Look Ahead. We remind you again, please rate, review, and subscribe to the SB Nation NFL show. As you heard at the top, if you leave a review, we will read it on the show. RJ, leave everybody with a piece of advice this week. Um, if you are doing yard work, make sure you hydrate. If you are watching football and looking for a snack, you want to bake something, take it easy on yourself. You've worked hard this week. Get a like a lasagna that you can just throw in the oven. The whole family can enjoy. Your time matters, and I want you to enjoy it. Here you go. You want something easy to bake? Chili with no beans, cream cheese, olives, shredded cheese, maybe some jalapeno peppers. You pop it in the oven, 350, 20 minutes. And here's the key. When it's ready, don't dive into it right away. you got to let everything coagulate. Set a timer for 10 minutes. Let it rest for 10 minutes. Then, bam, you get some tortilla chips. You go to town. You're welcome. Nobody's taking culinary advice from a person who eats peanut butter and butter sandwiches. I don't understand. The, the the throngs of support we've seen for that has been clearly one-sided. Peanut butter and butter sandwiches are a thing, and many people have enjoyed them. Are you talking about, like, butter, like, out of the, like, the Tupperware thing? Like, cool butter? like As opposed I mean, to what? The butter out of the disgusting. churn? Gross. Disgusting. What other I, butter I, I, is there? I, I want to leave now. This is gross. End the show. Enjoy the week, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. More to-dos, less time, and an infinite number of tools to keep track of. Sometimes doing business has never felt harder, but you don't need a miracle to hit your goals. You can just use HubSpot because their all-in-one customer platform can make growing your business infinitely easier. Imagine this, high-quality leads, fast-closing deals, wildly happy customers, and more benchmark-breaking quarters. It's not a miracle, it's HubSpot. Visit HubSpot.com to get started today.